Join Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. Take on every challenge that's put in front of you, that you're offered, every opportunity. Uh, Keep your eyes open for opportunities, but, and then learn from every project reflect often you know sometimes we're so busy that we don't really have time to but take on every challenge and 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 learn from them this is the business leadership podcast and i'm your host edwin frondozo welcome how how's your day going first off thank you for joining me today is episode number 74 and my guest is mara nickerson Mara is the Chief Knowledge Officer at Osler Hoskin and Harcourt LLP. Mara has strategic responsibility for ensuring other lawyers have access to the information, resources, and learning that enables them to work efficiently and, and provide valued client service. In our conversation, Mara talks about the role and how the role ensures that every team member has information they need when they're talking to clients. We dig deep into into the challenges of switching from practicing law to being one of the chief knowledge officer and what were the steps that she took to continually grow as as the business leader she is. This episode is brought to you by Bizon, an online marketplace where people can buy, sell, and grow businesses or franchises. The Business Leadership Podcast is a friend of the ITWC Podcast Network and supported by our media partner, IT World Canada. Now, here we go. Welcome to the Business Leadership Podcast, Mara. Thank you, Edwin. I really uh, appreciate being here. Well, I'm really excited to to learn and hear your story. I know the first time I heard you you talk was at a conference, so really excited to to really dig deep in terms of your career and your journey. But Mara, why don't we just start off by introducing yourself to our listeners. For those who may not know you, tell us a little bit about yourself, who well, you are, I'm, and what you like to do when you're not leading businesses. Sure, sure. Um, well, I'm the Chief Knowledge Officer at Osler, Hoskin & Harcourt, which is a law firm. So I suspect there are many people out there who uh, would not have heard of me. <laughs> um, and I think we'll get into a bit about what that is. Uh, I will admit that takes up um, my days and quite a few of my nights and weekends. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, but, you know, outside of work, um, I play tennis and I play a lot of music. I play the drums and uh, wow. yeah, that's fun. It's a, uh, it's a good stress reliever. Took it up about 10 years ago. <laughs> so are you, are you in a band now, Mara? Well, I, I, if you could see me, I've got air quotes around band. Um, I play with a, a group from uh, an organization called Long and McQuaid, and they have a band of, of older musicians or people coming back to music or uh, who are taking it up for the first time. So I play in it with my sister, and uh, it's mostly wind instruments, but they have percussion. So um, I play the drums and the bells and uh, stuff like that there. So it's, it's a lot of fun. 
Yeah, no, um, it's really, yeah. it's really sounds fun. I, I mean, I want to, I want to get back into music as well. So that's, that's really exciting to hear. So why don't we just jump right in? I know you mentioned that you're the chief knowledge officer at Osler Hoskin and Harcourt. So why don't you tell us about that and perhaps your current role and maybe, maybe your main objectives over the next year? Sure. So uh, for those of you who, who aren't familiar with the legal industry, Osler is one of Canada's leading law firms. I certainly think it's uh, the absolute best. Uh, we have about 450 lawyers across six offices, five in Canada, one in New York. Uh, we focus mostly on large commercial clients uh, and their legal challenges or their business challenges that raise legal issues. So we do traditional uh, large litigation, M&A, corporate finance, uh, banking, insolvency, that kind of stuff. We have a large commercial practice in technology, privacy, construction. But we've also got one of the largest practices focused on emerging and high growth companies. Um, so my role there is chief knowledge officer. I'm responsible I sort of say I'm responsible for ensuring that our lawyers have access to the information, resources, and learning that enable them to work efficiently and provide valued client service. Uh, I lead teams responsible for knowledge management, professional development, the library, new business intake, and records. Uh, and I'm also a member of the firm's Innovation Council focused on driving client value through innovation. Um, so then in terms of what my, uh, objectives are for this year, I, I have a number of projects on the go this year, which is pretty typical because each one of those groups operates, uh, somewhat independently. So we've got projects on, uh, a lot on enhancing internal efficiency and in how we manage ethical walls, for instance, we're putting in a new system, putting in a new records management system. We're focused very much on experience management this year, which is about how we track the matters that we work on, how we know what we're doing and what the characteristics of those matters uh, are. Uh, we're rolling out a new extranet, uh, a client collaboration platform. And then with our client development group, we developed a significant new sales training program for our partners. Oh wow! I mean, I mean, it sounds like Mara, you have a a number of things under under your umbrella, your scope of the, of the job. I yeah. mean, just knowledge. I mean, chief knowledge officer, and really ensuring that that everyone has the information they need when they're talking to their clients, and and really at their fingertips. I, I'm really because I come from a a technical background. Like, what are the challenges in terms of like disseminating that type of information across 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 the large organization that that you have there? Well, the challenges are are really uh, collecting the information uh, and resources. So, as as a law firm, obviously, our knowledge is our our bread and butter. That is what mm -hmm. we're selling to our clients: our ability to solve solve their use our expertise to solve their problems. So, you know, uh, and we have lawyers in all those offices, and and the challenge is making sure that when a client comes in. And uh, with a problem, say to a partner in Calgary, and it's the kind of work that has previously been done out of the Montreal office or the Toronto office, that Calgary partner needs to be able to get their hands on um, the expertise, the precedent documents and, and whatever else might be useful to help 
to help him uh, work for the client efficiently. So, so you know, part of the challenge is, is putting the right technology tools in place to identify the knowledge that we want to collect, uh, being able to organize it in a way that lawyers can easily put their hands on it. But, you know, that I feel that technology is only one component of knowledge management because a big piece mm. of knowledge management is about the people and how they share and talk to each other and really operate collaboratively across the firm. So there's lots of stuff going on I mean, in all those areas. Yeah, what's really interesting is something you just mentioned was was like how everyone shares. Have you seen um, over the years a lot of the partners or the lawyers easily share things now? I mean, given social media, for example, is out there where at first people were kind of scared to share and now people are just sharing secondhandly. So have you seen an increase in sharing or making it a little easier from, from everyone within the organization? I mean, I would say, I would say certainly within my firm, which is uh, the only one that I've really had experience since I've been there, since <laughs> I began practicing law, it's always been a very collaborative sharing culture. Um, I will admit that most lawyers don't particularly like uh, social media tools as a method of sharing. Lawyers live in Outlook. And uh, part of my challenge is recognizing <laughs> that and and finding ways to leverage that. We do use uh, some social media tools and are testing them out with certain groups. There are, are certain groups that um, are are more interested in using Slack and things like that. Uh, but internally, by and large, lawyers, you know, and with their clients use Outlook. So um, I guess it's just the nature of, of the business as well, because Outlook is a, is considered a formal document, right? Is considered which? A formal document. Well, um, that is that is because it's the way we communicate a lot of our content. And yes, you could call it a document is in email, you know, mm -hmm. where people people don't write letters and memos anymore. It's all in Outlook. So um, that is where our content and our communications with our clients are. So uh, and certainly being able to access those uh, other people's email and stuff is um it, it can be a challenge if it's in Outlook. So part of our challenge is trying to get people to file their email into our document management system, treated like a document, as you say, so that it, it can be accessed. But um, that is the tool that they live in. Uh, they live and breathe in Outlook. So uh, not as much on Twitter or blogs or other tools like that. For sure. One thing you mentioned, Mara, just a couple of minutes ago is that you've been You've been at the firm for your entire career. So, I mean, I've, I've talked to different business leaders who, who, who've jumped around, some who've stayed within the same organization. So I'd love to get some of your insights or some, something that you could share in the past or a key decision. Typically, it's difficult that, that you know, helped you grow as, as a business leader. So something that was really difficult being in the same firm or changing roles. I mean, I, th I think th the great thing about the firm, and I've been very lucky, is that it has always provided me with the opportunity to change and grow. And I guess th probably the first decision that I would have said I made was that decision to switch from practicing law to administration. Um, 
you know, was that a difficult one? Well, uh, yeah, because I I certainly uh, grew up intending to be a lawyer, I will admit from a very early age. And I, you know, went to school, did my law and my MBA degrees with the intent of, of practicing. And I loved uh, practice. Osler uh, was was a great place to practice, and I enjoyed my clients and stuff. So, so switching uh, was, you know, was I wouldn't say it was a hard decision, but it took some time. And I actually went back and forth a little bit, doing some admin work. Then I went back to practice, and then um, when my firm went through a strategic planning process and created a new role to focus on professional development and precedence, they they offered it to me. And at that point, I felt that I could make a real contribution through those areas. And I was really interested in uh, particularly, well, both those areas and how they support our, our lawyers and found it a, a different challenge than practicing law. So in the end, um, you know, I don't know if it was a difficult decision, but it was... Um, you know, I think it was the right decision for me, and and I've really, really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, to, to tell me about that in terms of that decision. I mean, I guess the good thing is that you were able to stay within within the same organization, and not only that, use the knowledge that you had as being a practicing lawyer and and flipping it over. But I imagine that, as you mentioned, it just took some time and it sounded like you might've even missed it. That's why you were still practicing for a, for a number of yes. years, maybe months or years. Right. Yes. I think, I think that's true. I mean, when I first took the role on, um, you know, I really only had a small team. It was really just me, my assistant and one other person. And, um, and there was no set path for what I needed to do. I was basically given a portfolio to develop uh, professional development and precedence at the firm. And, you know, there hadn't been that role before. So uh, I was really able to define that role myself and look at what was needed in those areas, how to achieve those objectives. And I was, I, you know, I was able to do that myself, uh, which I think, um you know, gave me an opportunity to shape the role in a way that, you know, that you might otherwise not, um, you know, I was able to really take control, determine what needed to get done and, and just do it. So, um, I, and being within the firm, I knew the people, I knew their needs. I, so I think I could hit the ground running, uh, a bit faster than if I had to switch to another organization. And there's no doubt that within my organization, because I practice law there, I have a measure of credibility um, that 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 supports my role. I mean, that's really interesting. Was this role existing or did you make it up? It uh, There had been someone in the position of doing professional development part-time, um, and there had I had been doing some knowledge management um, earlier, but otherwise there was no formal role. So they really just felt they needed that role when they did their strategic planning process. Um, so then I basically made it up from there. There, you know, I was given a mandate to to grow and develop precedents across the firm and you know, grow professional development, but what that looked like, what programs that meant, what precedents, what systems, none of that had been, had been determined. So it was really a blank slate for me, which, which was terrific. 
it sounds like you were you're building your own business so it almost begs the question who did you look who who did you turn to when you had, when you were stuck with at a roadblock or, or didn't know where to go um you know that's interesting i mean fairly it, it really was a time when you know knowledge management wasn't even in anyone's vocabulary uh we talked about precedents we didn't talk about knowledge management and even professional development within law firms was pretty um was pretty young i connected on the professional development side uh, with my peers in the us particularly uh where they were a bit further ahead and there was a, a consortium of the professional development consortium that I could connect with. And in and on the knowledge management side, it actually there was a group of us who ended up at a conference um, on, on knowledge management. And from that conference, we decided to get together uh, regularly and share our experiences and ideas and And so out of that grew uh, the Toronto Knowledge Management Group. New York then uh, created its own group. And and then we connected and and had joint conferences once a year. And now there's all kinds of stuff going on. But in those early days, certainly reaching out to find a few other people who were doing similar things was, uh, you know, was helpful. Um, But there wasn't there wasn't a lot going on at that time. It sounds fun as well. I mean, given given a, a mid career shift in focus, I guess, Mara. Yes, I would say it was. A lot, I would say I, it was a lot of fun. In fact, it's. I think the whole uh, my whole career, I think I've had a lot of fun because it has been new, evolving, and I have been able to take a a leadership role and haven't had an impact. I think on um, on my firm and the way it practices. So. Yeah, that has been has been a lot of fun, and seeing the industry, the legal industry, and knowledge management within the legal industry, um, and the whole innovation process improvement. You know, it has just grown so exponentially. It's really been a pleasure to have been part of that uh, from very early days. Since you're 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 in professional development space, but as as you just mentioned within the firm. You had the opportunity to change roles, and I'm sure your with that your responsibilities change and your teams change. So, how did you continually grow? I mean, you did mention you found these peer groups, but was there anything else special that you did that helped you grow with the roles that you were in? Um, I think that each new role and group that I took on uh, presented its own challenges. Um, and I, I think I learned from from each of those. I mean, I won't say I I didn't take a lot of courses or anything like that, although I did take the Rotman uh, Judy Project, which is a leadership uh, group, which is a leadership program, which is terrific. But really just through each of those um taking on each each group, I, I, I learned different stuff. Um, you know, having to set priorities, set strategy. As my teams grew, I had to learn more about management, managing budgets, managing teams, setting a vision. And, you know, interestingly, I think one of the things was that because my teams are all quite separate, particularly once the library and and the matter intake and uh, conflicts and records group came in, I wanted them to feel some connectivity with each other. Um, even though they didn't work together on a daily basis. And I wanted them to understand that at the heart of what each of them did was supporting the lawyers for quality, efficiency, and risk management. So 
as a leader, I found I had to dig into that vision and mission with the teams and have them all understand those those themes and and how each of them contributed. So, so you know, and now as the legal industry has changed, and I've evolved into a lot of focus on efficiency. Uh, the efficiency side of the business and how we practice law. Knowledge management used to be about precedence, content, you know, building and sharing our knowledge base. But uh, and that's still important. But now, you know, we're dealing with how we do what we do, the process of practicing law. So, um, again, now I'm learning a lot more about process improvement, change management, Lean Six Sigma, um, you know, project management and and all of that. So each, you know, as this as this role has evolved, it's contributed to my ability to learn to learn new things and, and challenged me in new ways, which has been which has been really exciting. How's it going? Just a quick announcement. I had recently launched a Facebook group called the Business Leadership Group where I am creating a community of emerging leaders where they can learn, share, and network with each other. So join me where I'll share some daily insights, answer questions, and just to hang out. Go to thebusinessleadership.com slash FB group or search for the Business Leadership Group on Facebook. Now let's get back to it. And, w- and with the new role and the focus as as that role grew, or I mean, the importance of the knowledge and, and the professional development, have you seen um, the industry also follow suit in terms of in terms of your lead or the organization's lead of, of this? And I mean, because a chief knowledge officer at the time probably never existed anywhere. <laughs> no, and 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 that type that title initially didn't uh, didn't um, didn't exist. You know, I was a director of of you know professional development, that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, but as the industry evolved, the titles changed. I actually, <laughs> when mm-hmm. we were considering how the title should evolve with my responsibilities a number of years ago, I actually suggested that I should be the director of uh, risk and knowledge. So that I could be a dork, uh, <laughs> but uh, they went with chief chief knowledge officer. So now that now that the 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 title is is quite common, and you see it throughout um, firms, law firms in Canada and and the U.S. It's it's a incredibly thriving industry. It's exciting. Mar, I'd really like to just dig deep in terms of innovation because I know you are. You have innovation under under the portfolio of of work that you have, and specifically how innovation is taken in an industry that could could be slow to change, specifically the legal sector. So I'd love to get some of your insights and what you're seeing now and yeah. moving forward. Yeah, it is. I think an incredibly um, dynamic time in the legal industry. There's a lot of doom and gloom, but I think it's absolutely the opposite and. Um, you know, we see the push for innovation, I think, being driven by three factors. One is the client's push for efficiency. Since the economic crash in 2008, you know, clients have had their legal budget slashed. They want reduced rates, alternative fees, cost certainty and transparency. And, you know, they want to know that we're working efficiently. Secondly, the rise of alternative legal providers, legal outsourcers, onshore and offshore, 
started with e-discovery, but you know they've grown into all areas of practice using cheaper labor and cheaper locations, using standardized processes. And now we're seeing the growth of the accounting and consulting firms. In fact, we saw an announcement today that uh, Ernst & Young had bought Riverview Law uh, from DLA Piper. So, you know, these are putting a lot of competitive pressure on, on law firms. And then the third factor is the explosion in technology in the legal industry, mm-hmm. uh, particularly through artificial intelligence and, and automation. We partner with Ryerson's Legal Innovation Zone, which has a whole group of startup of companies, uh, startup companies all developing new technology for the legal industry. So technology is having a huge impact on the practice of law. So all these factors, three factors, have put tremendous pressure on the industry and organizations within it to change how we price, how we work, you know, really our our very business model. So, um, you know, it's been a challenge uh, over the last five years to to try and get uh, within my own firm uh, and elsewhere to, you know, to to recognize these change and think about what the impact is for us. And you know, lawyers are trained to find everything that can go wrong with a situation. We, you know, mm-hmm. we look for every hole in a plan. Uh, we're skeptical, independent, and very busy. And law is based on precedent. Um, and certainly within big law as well, I think, you know, large law firms like ours, you know, are still reasonably busy. So all of those things make make change hard. It, it's hard to drive change. Um, but, you know, I think the things that I have learned on driving change in this kind of environment where innovation is really happening, I think are a few, I think I've learned that change takes a lot of support, no matter how much someone understands the need to change how they work. If push comes to shove and they're busy, they will fall back on old habits to change how they work. They really need support. Telling them what to do isn't enough. You know, I've, <laughs> the one thing I've learned is that change management that is so much more than communication. I've also learned, I think, that change is slow and takes a lot of persistence and that that's okay. Um, you know, I'm immersed in the legal industry. I read a lot. I talk to a lot of, a lot of people. I see the impact technology is having in other elements of the legal industry. But most lawyers on a day-to-day basis are not immersed in this stuff. They're immersed in their practice areas, which uh, is what they should be. So it takes time to raise an awareness with them and create that sense of urgency within an organization. Um, and so far, thankfully, we've kind of had that, uh, that, that time. I mean, I started talking about innovation back in 2013. I think way back then I held my first innovation summit at the firm, uh, mm-hmm. which was just over lunch, bringing in some technology vendors. And, you know, now we have innovation month every year. Um, last year we had our, our, our um, associate innovation challenge, Two years ago, we started Osler Works Transaction. So it's been kind of growing over the last few years. And then, you know, then finally, uh, this past year, the firm appointed a national innovation partner, an innovation council. We created a strategic investment fund to support new ideas um, on how we can work efficiently and and provide new products and services to our clients. So I, I really feel that my pushing and talking and nudging uh, has paid off. And it certainly wasn't me alone by any stretch. Um, but I, 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 I really 
have come to learn that, you know, change doesn't happen overnight and you got to be resilient and you got to keep, keep, keep nudging and, and, and all of that. So, but now I'm working with a partner who's taken on the innovation role and it's a whole new ball game and it's been, it's been a lot of fun. I've learned a lot. Uh, yeah. Well, congrats on the persistence. I guess <laughs> looking <laughs> Looking back at the five years, is there anything else that you could have done that may may have sped it up maybe a year or two? Or was it just the natural progression of, of, of the sector itself? You know, that's a tough one. Uh, I think it was a natural progression of the sector. Although, uh, you know, I, I'm... I, I do think we have to continually reflect on what we could have done differently. I wish I'd gotten out and talked to more people. Uh, there's no, like, although change management is more than communication, communication is a key component of it. And I do think, you know, I do wish I'd, been, I'd had the time to talk to more partners about what was happening in their practices and the challenges that they uh, that they felt maybe that would have moved things along. I, I, I don't know. I think it really is a culmination of the technology, the client pressures and, um, what's happening in the industry. And it's kind of all coming together now to really, um, to really explode. So Mara, I mean, looking forward and where have you seen industries go? I mean, I'm really curious, from your point of view, what you think the biggest challenge are facing facing emerging business leaders today? Um, in fairness, I probably wouldn't try to answer that question too broadly since I live in a pretty sheltered industry down at uh, King and Bay in Toronto, uh, and I've spent spent my whole life there. Although perhaps law isn't as unique from other industries as it sometimes thinks it is. I think the mm -hmm. biggest challenge for law firm leaders and maybe others is is really figuring out what the vision of the organization is in five to 10 years from now. And that's probably not a new leadership challenge in any way, shape or form. But um, I, I, I feel we've got to be looking five to 10 and that three to five is, isn't enough. I feel the three to five is too short. I believe technology is going to have a huge impact on our industry and we really have to figure out that what what that means for our business model. What kind of firm do we want to be? What kind of talent do we need? And I think if we don't make conscious decisions on those questions, the decisions will basically get shaped for us by our clients. Um, and I think the pace of change is going to increase. So we you know we've got to focus on those questions. From my point of view and people I always talk to, they always talk about the three to five years. So it, what I'm hearing is maybe we need to even really think longer again traditionally because that, that's what business leaders traditionally did, five, 10, 15 years even in the right. past. They would even think in terms of the vision and where I, we want to get to. Yeah, and I think I think I feel it's we need to look the five to 10 because the change doesn't happen quickly. And, and so mm -hmm. it could take three to five years to put in place what you want in five to 10 years. And so I feel if we're not looking out the five years, by the time we get there, we'll be, you know, a firm could be behind the eight ball. Changing gears, Mara, I'd love to get, um, maybe if you could t share with us a mentor or a person who, who had tremendous impact on you as a business leader, who you are today, maybe someone who had mentored you within the organization, or they could have been outside as well. I, I actually, I think the closest I would say is Purdy Crawford. 
Um, mm-hmm. Purdy, I don't know, you, you're, I'm sure you're familiar with him. He's an icon in the Canadian business and legal community. And he was a partner at Osler when I started. Um, I had unknowingly um, followed in some of his footsteps uh, by going to, I went to Mount Allison for my undergrad and then Dalhousie for law and my MBA, which are both of his universities. So I had that in common with him when I started. So we would get together from time to time and, and, you know, he, he provided some guidance to me, but a a lot of that actually came later uh, in his career after he left and came back to the firm in an advisory capacity. And by then I was fully on the admin side of the business and, you know, he, he, you know, when I, for instance, when I, I wanted to start a leadership program at the firm, I met with Purdy and he provided a lot of guidance and industry connections in setting up a 360 degree review, review program. So he was really, you know, he, he gave his time on whatever issue um, I wanted to, to talk about. And over the years, I, I watched his leadership style, his commitment and, and his strength and, you know, he believes so strongly in education um, and he led with such humor, strength, vision and humility. And uh, I felt he truly epitomized good leadership. So I won't say he may be stretching it to say he mentored me, but he's certainly someone who I looked to for guidance and and as a bit of a, a, a certainly a role model uh, on that. For sure. Front. And, and- yeah, and mentors definitely come in as role models. Some people I've I've spoken to had, you know, quote unquote mentors, someone they read about, right? So thank yeah. you for sharing that. <laughs> Fun question, Mara. If I were to ask any of your team members, past, present, colleagues, peers, clients, what, <laughs> what's the best best leadership quality that that Mara has? What do you think they would say? <laughs> um. That's always a tough one. Well, I, I did have a, a team member tell me recently that the reason she liked working with me was because uh, she always knows where she stands with me. <laughs> so I kind of laughed at that. Uh, I guess I don't really hide when I'm delighted or when I'm trying to challenge my team to to take a different approach or, or, or rethink a problem. I, I think I do have high standards. And I think my mm-hmm. team would say that I expect them to have the same high standards. But at the same time, I also hope that they would say, I don't sit on the sidelines kibitzing. I will jump in on any project when when um, help is needed. Uh, most importantly, at least to me, I hope they would say that I'm enthusiastic and encouraging and, you know, no shortage of ideas and always challenging them. But um, I hope they would say that. <laughs> No, that's that's great. Someone someone who uh, wears their emotions on the sleeve and really tells you, really really tells you what's up. I love that. Really enjoying our conversation, Mara. But uh, I'm just uh, just want to know what else is going on. Do you have maybe some special projects, initiatives, maybe some milestones that you're looking looking towards, or really really excited about now? Well, uh, I will admit that I guess the milestone coming up is I'm going to retire at the end of the year. <laughs> wow! Congratulations. And, uh, yeah, I'll admit I am. Uh, I am excited. I am excited about that. I um, I think it's the right a, a good time for for me and and the firm. Um, we're at such a great milestone with our innovation work. Um, 
and we've got a great team in place. And, um, and so I think it's, uh, I think that's exciting both for, for me and the firm. And, it, and it sounds like you feel comfortable stepping away that your work is going to, going to continue on. Yeah, I do. I mean, I think like uh, many, well, maybe not like many leaders, uh, I, I always worry that someone's going to come in and say, geez, what was she doing all day? <laughs> but, uh, I, I, I think about that every night, Mara. <laughs> I hope I've left it. Uh, I hope I've left it in pretty good shape. Um, so, <laughs> okay. So, I, I, I mean, on that point, can you have any final thoughts, observations, ideally some, some type of act- actionable recommendations that you can share for the listeners out there who, who may be just starting their path as a business leader um, or perhaps looking to change, change into a different role, one that they never thought they would get into? Right. Um, I think my advice uh, to to people in that situation is really just to take on every challenge that's put in front of you that you're offered every opportunity, uh, keep your eyes open for opportunities, but, and then learn from every project reflect often, you know, sometimes we're so busy that we don't really have time to, but uh, I think, I think we have to take on every challenge and, and, and learn from them. And, and also think about as you grow, setting vision with your team, making sure t- sometimes we know what our vision is, but the, the team may not. So I think it's it's making sure that the team knows uh, what, what the vision is. And, and I guess lastly, you know, talk to your team and your clients and listen, 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 listen. <laughs> Mara, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing. But to close, can you tell us where we could find more information about you, I guess your company or your whereabouts in the next year or anything you'd love to share with us? Well, certainly for a while, um, I'm still at Osler and you can find out more about uh, that, my firm and, and me at osler.com. We have lots of stuff on innovation and all our expertise and services and things. Um, after that, I'm still the, I'm a chair of uh, Canada's Ballet Jorgen. So um, I'll be involved with that. You can certainly get me through it or, uh, you know, I'll still be on uh, Twitter and um, places like that. So <laughs> <laughs> you're not disappearing from this. I'm earth, not disappearing. Mar- no, no, I, I have lots, uh, lots on the go and lots. I'm lots. I'm looking forward to. Awesome. Mara, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining us on the business leadership podcast. You're quite welcome. Thanks for having me, Edwin. It's been a pleasure. That's it, biz leaders. Thank you for joining me on the Business Leadership Podcast, episode number 74 with Mara Nickerson. If you want to learn more about Mara Osler or anything else we discussed, please go to thebusinessleadership.com slash 074. Thank you to BizOn, an online marketplace where people can buy, sell, and grow businesses or franchises for supporting this episode. As mentioned, the Business Leadership Podcast is a friend of the ITWC Podcast Network and supported by our media partner, IT World Canada. If you have not done so yet, please subscribe to to this podcast on iHeartRadio, Spotify, iTunes, or quite frankly, wherever you're listening to this podcast today. Thank you again. Edwin signing off. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com. Thank you.